Well, I've got to say, to stay up and watch football on a Wednesday night, that was a pretty fun game to watch. Welcome everyone to another edition of the Brisbane Football Review, and I get the feeling it's going to be a fairly cheery 45 or so minutes with myself, Scott, and Adam, as we recap the Raw's 4-0 win in their home away from home on the shores of the Brisbane River, thanks to a massive win over the Mariners after, well, their planned Anzac Day Bonanza was forced to be postponed. Scott. Yes. How long have you been smiling for? Uh, since about three seconds after Alex Parsons scored. <laughs> and Adam, I'm guessing you're in a similarly good mood after the demolition of the one-time league-leading Mariners. Yeah, look, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with Scott. Like I said, you know, I, I, by Alex Parsons scoring, it's just made my week. Um, so, so, yeah, but um, plenty, plenty to digest from this game. Uh, but, yeah, like, a uh, happy ending, I guess you can say. I would be very careful about saying that's how you spent your that's Wednesday night thinking. with a happy ending. <laughs> yeah, anyway, yeah. Words. yeah, well, we definitely won't uh, hold that one against you down the line, will we, Scott? No, we won't. Oh, just just clip that up, James. Just, yeah, just I see it's been clipped up. <laughs> All right. It, it, yeah, so this is Brisbane Football Review. Uh, James Scott and Adam, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, Brisbane Football Review at gmail.com, Facebook, The Raw Review, Twitter at BNE Football on both those social accounts. You can find live coverage of every Brisbane Raw senior match, as well as select National Premier Leagues, men's, women's, and FQPL games as the weekend rolls along. And well, we thought we'd have two matches to recap, but thanks to Perth going into lockdown, it's just going to be the one. So let's get into the good times in Gosford. As the Raw defeated the Mariners 4-0, Macaulay Gillespie opened the scoring in the first half, then Joey Chatness fired a howitzer, which I'm actually surprised didn't break the net in the second half, before late goals from Alex Parsons and Masato Kudo to open their respective A-League accounts. And, Scott, there's really not a lot to complain about from that match, is there? No, there's not. The Fox commentators tried to complain about things in the second half with the Mariners pushing forward despite having 10 men, but what do you expect them to do? They're a team with confidence and they're down to 10 men, but they were behind by a couple of goals at home. Of course, they're going to push forward. There's nothing to complain about for the Raw. They controlled the game perfectly. Their defensive shape was excellent. I mean, the way the back five worked really well, it nullified what the Mariners didn't in the front third. It's clicking. I mean, we'll talk about a high-profile departure in the front third later on, but... High-profile, really? Well, in terms of his pedigree, not his performance necessarily, but, I mean, it's clicking in the front third. He wouldn't get a game anyway at the moment. It's just... It's going so well at the moment. There's nothing to complain about it was another perfect performance on the road this time capped off with a clean sheet which haven't which is something different compared to the last two they kept the clean sheet this week it was a perfect performance away from home and good to see warren fire up too that was great yes warren if you're listening scott's now your biggest supporter after that blow up on the touchline on about the 75 minute mark but you mentioned the you know clean sheet and the overall strong defensive shape it should be noted that came uh, without two of their most uh, popular mainstays at the back. Corey Brown was suspended for a yellow card accumulation. And it sounds like Tom Aldridge is going to miss a few games with a hamstring injury. Exactly what you want when you've got five games in 15 days or something coming up. But anyway, Adam, like that defensive effort with the 
kind of makeshift backline has to be lauded as well, doesn't it? Look, I actually think that's probably, if anything, that's probably going to be what makes Warren Moon happier out of this performance was the clean sheet. Um, look, this this front this front three have been threatening for a while to break open. While it wasn't the usual suspects to, to score four goals, that's probably you know one part of it which is satisfying. But the most satisfying part about would have been the offensive effort to keep that clean sheet and looked at other than maybe one or two broad broad shots at goal central coast Mariners barely threatened tonight um so so yeah i think that'd probably be the most pleasing aspect especially without the aforementioned uh, tom aldred and Corey brown and i think the only time uh, jamie young really had to make a save was maybe bazanich once in the first half and then right at the death with literally the last kick of the game, keeping out the um, kid with the dorky headband, Scott. Well, which one? Uh, the yeah, number 30, Smiley. The one yeah, who right. Jamie didn't have game. a lot to do, did he? And that was, again, down to the defensive shape. And to be to be that defensively resolute without Corey Brown, who's been a mainstay, as well as the captain, Tom Aldred, it does say a lot about the um, the, the quality of that back line, James. Kai Turin stepped in once again, this time in the harder defence, not on the right-hand side, in the actual heart of central defence. And he was, to me, he was, if not the best player on the field, he was right next to the best player on the field. It was an unbelievable performance from a young kid. And it just, again, again, we talked about it last, last 10, a week ago on the show after the um, Western Sydney game. The Raw didn't have a bad player then. And they didn't have one tonight either. It was just another amazing performance. But that defensive unit, it doesn't seem to matter at the moment who's in there and who's not there. Collectively, it's just a really, really solid unit. There's, They've got the league's best defence, James, still. I think it's 17 goals conceded for the season so far. And, it's again, it seems to me no matter who's there, they're performing. It's it's a really, really solid foundation to build upon. Yeah, and, look, I, I don't want to, you know, go all analytics here and perhaps suggest that it might be, uh, at least in part, down to the system that they've got put in. Lord knows I've heard system be used as an insult for quite a few players over the last 20 or so years especially by Scott, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that's a different sport reference there. Where's that but, mute button? <laughs> that's okay. I'm producing the podcast. Anyway, yeah, I, I don't want to say that it's all down to the system, but it, it really is encouraging that they are putting these players in positions to succeed, even though, you know, they may not be the most experienced players like Kai Truen. Yeah, look, and again, it's got to come back to confidence. I think it comes back to, you know, the fact is that, you know, one would sort of think that, you know, it's the Roar in trouble because, you know, Tom Aldred, who has been a mainstay in that defence, you know, for the last you know, two seasons, you know, he goes down all of a sudden, you know, some some out there in the... Uh, out there in the fan base are thinking, oh, it's it's trouble, you know, and look, Kytron just steps in, and this is where, you know, his rougher moments in the early of the season are now paying dividends because he's obviously become more resolute. He's, so he's understanding, learning the, the system a lot better. And look, last two games, you know, since he came on four order last week, however long that was, 75, 70 minutes or whatever, plus a 90 tonight, look, he, he's been excellent. Yeah, I, I can't fault really anyone on the pitch tonight. I don't think there was an overly bad performance uh, from anyone wearing the primarily black kit. Scott, I know you yeah. want to have a bit of a rant about that. I just think they should wear orange wherever possible since you brought it up. But it, if they keep winning in the away kit, I'll live with it. But I just prefer them wearing the home kit wherever possible. That's just me. Anyway. No, I, I did just want to bring that up just 
because I know that is something that is fairly close to your heart. So give you give you the opportunity to rant as on that. As you mentioned earlier, old man yells at cloud. <laughs> but on that as well, like again, this could just be me because I'm a little bit slow sometimes. I, I I'm I'm also colorblind, so the orange and the um, orange and the yellow, both with dark shorts. In that lighting, I can see why it could have been considered as something close to a clash. Now, let's uh, talk about some of the specific incidents from the match, and we'll start with the early goal from Macaulay Gillespie. And how good is VAR getting the call right, Adam? Ah, look, I would actually, I would hope and expect that you know you didn't need VAR in that in that regard because it was clearly a deflection off Jack Clisby's head, and and yeah, and McCoy Gillespie was at that far post to smash at home. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. Like I said, it's there to just a double checking count, but yeah, no, that that goal stands you know, any day of the week with or without VAR. It does, it does bring some bad memories back up though, just. The minute that you saw the VAR thing come up on the score bug, I couldn't help but worry, uh, Scott, that it was going to be overturned because of some weird technicality. Yeah, well, the three letters certainly had their influence tonight, didn't they? You mentioned they had a look at the first goal from the Raw. They had a look at another penalty a few minutes after this, and they had, then there was the Arena send-off in the second half. I'm not going to be a hypocrite to say just because those three went in the Raw's favour. I love the VAR. It still takes way too long for me, but like like Adam said, I'm... I'm I don't understand why they even needed to check the first goal. Goal, it clearly came off Clisby. There's nothing to check. Yeah. If well, you're watching the play, there's nothing to check. I think I think it was just also making sure that Clisby was, I suppose, playing at the ball and it wasn't a just innocuous deflection. But since you brought it up, Scott, we'll move on to the Jack King at penalty. And to be honest, live, I thought Alex King got the call spot on. But looking at the replay, again, you know, not to go all old man yells at cloud, but the handball That's rule is so, yeah, exactly. The handball rule is so unbelievably messy that it really is just it's tough to know what it was. But based on my interpretation of it, with Jack Hingett basically doing a chicken wing to keep his upper arm in near his body, that's not a handball, Adam. Look under the new. Under the new sort of, well, I'm going to say new because it's we don't know where they're at with IFAB at the moment on the handball, but the whole inside the natural silhouette uh, nonsense. Yeah, look, I can see why Alex King, under under the interpretations, overturned it. But look, this is a good example of what happens when, you know, one interpretation goes against pretty much, you know, everything that you know, we know what a handball is. And if, if I don't think Jack Hingham meant it, but if he did, he's a genius. Because basically, he's able to use the rule to, to get away with it. I, I, don't, I don't think it was a split-second stuff, you know, but I, I've always said that, you know, I had no problems with Alex King give or wouldn't have a penalty, you know, again, with or without VAR, and, you know, had, the, had it stood. And even after the VAR, that if there was insufficient evidence to overturn it, I could live with that. So again, it's uh, I I could I could see why um, the Central Coast Mariners supporters would have been very very frustrated with that decision. Yeah, and look to be honest, Andy Harper I think made a reference about um, the VAR standard of proof later on in the telecast, but it was also quite applicable to uh, what what this was in that I'm not quite sure it was clear and obvious either way. So. Perhaps it shouldn't have been overturned, but I also I also think there was a fair case to be made either way on that. And quite frankly, 
it didn't it uh, didn't uh, result in a penalty against Raw, so I'm really not complaining. Yeah, that was about the only sensical thing that Andy Harper said in the whole 90 minutes, actually, that thing. Just look at it for maximum 30 seconds. If you can't spot it, move on. Because, I mean, it went for far too long, that check, James. And like you, when it, when it first happened, I thought penalty. And I thought there's no way they're going to overturn it. So I was, I was surprised they overturned it. They probably got it right, but I was surprised they did. I thought that's one of those you've seen in the past, grey area, stick with the referee's decision, but now they changed their mind. Like I, I just simply say, as we always say with these VAR decisions like this, this is not what VAR is meant to be. That's a 50-50 call. It's a subjective call for the official to make. And I think most, I think most people, you know, other than those who are just, you know, just out and out one-eyed, and that's that's their that's their right. Um, these, these are sort of calls that shouldn't be overturned. And and I agree with Scott. 30 seconds. If you can't tell in 30 seconds whether it there's evidence or not, well then it should be the original call. Amrabat was right. In the World Cup. <laughs> well, I know you love that gift. Well, it's funny. I, I, I think back 20 plus years ago when the NFL introduced its instant replay system, that thing was only meant to be capped at 90 seconds. And if the referee couldn't come up with a clear and or incontrovertible evidence, I think is their standard of proof over there, to say that uh, the call can't be overturned in 90 seconds, then it has to stand. Now, we still wind up with three and a half minute ad breaks uh, for referee uh, judgments on challenges. So it's fair to say that hasn't quite gone to plan either. But one thing that did go to plan, kind of, uh, the Raw held onto their lead into halftime. They were put under plenty of pressure by the Mariners. And you were saying uh, during the match, Adam, that the Raw really uh, needed that halftime whistle to come back in and regroup. And I was a little bit surprised to see the Mariners finding their feet and the raw being forced onto the back foot. I, I just, it was just a bit of a surprise considering the raw were coming in on like what was it ten or so days rest, whereas Central Coast were arguably quite flat after a draining game against Sydney. I think if if uh, Alan Stage is looking for one positive out of that, it'd be their last 10, 15 minutes, you know, going in the half. That was the Central Coast Mariners that we knew. You know, that we've seen all season. Like, as I said, it's been 400 days since the Raw and Mariners have, have played each other. And, and, you know, we've gone through 18 rounds this season. But that, like I said, that was the Central Coast Mariners that we've seen, you know, in the past 17 rounds, you know, really putting pressure, going after um, going after sides. And, yeah, look, as, as I said in, the, in our group chat, you know, I think... Brisbane Roar almost pleading for the halftime whistle to come because they were under some pressure. But with that said, well done to the Roar, you know, for actually never getting out of that, you know, to keep that clean sheet. And James, you're always going to have a period of play like that when you're away against anyone, whether they're a league challenging team or a team at the bottom. Every opponent is going to have a spell in the game. And that was the Mariners' best spell in the Roar. Dealt with it pretty well. I mean, the best chances really came for shots from just outside the area, really. I think the best one fell to. For young Josh Nisbet, who's a really oh, he's a decent player actually, but that was it was shots from outside the area which kind of went wide or were blocked or were pretty comfortable for Jamie Young. So even in their best spell, James, they weren't really creating clear cut chances to really hurt the raw. Yeah, they were. But uh, one player that did definitely manage to hurt the Mariners was Joey Chantness and uh, his howitzer on about 58 minutes last seen travelling through Manly. Uh, was just unbelievable strike. And we've spoken about it in the last couple of weeks, but his confidence is sky high. And if I'm Warren Moon, that's the, you know, informed striker that I'm riding 
until he stops producing dividends. Yeah, this is uh, this is the Joey C that we we saw, you know, when he was playing for Newcastle a couple of seasons ago before he went off you know, and did his music career. He's full of confidence, you know. And even before that, there was a, I think there was a play early on um, in the game uh, about 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 tenth minute where he was able to use the sideline to to basically juggle around. Um, I think two defenders. So he he's playing playing full of confidence at the moment. And that that uh, goal is just, yeah, look, it's it's almost like the, you know, it's a, the, the, the you know, icing on the cake as far as his form in the last couple of weeks. And it was a good point as well, just uh, talking about how that isolation play almost uh, from Brindle South and Champness did produce the space for him to get the shot off, Scott. It did. Look, that goal's been coming for the last couple of weeks with the form that Joey Champness has been in. It's been coming and... With that goal now, I think it's going to really... It could be the start of something for him in terms of the back end of the season, finding goal scoring and form on a consistent basis. But I want to give credit for the assist, actually, from Jay O'Shea. That was, a, that was a laser cross-field pass. And again, it shows that when he's in that deeper role and he can pick out passes like that, James, that's the sort of stuff he can create. That was a beautiful ball that set that play up and Champions finished it really well. That was yep. two assists for Jay Shea because he, yeah. he also um, was the one who put the ball ball across that uh, Gillespie ended up scoring in the first half. What, you mean Clisby is not going to get it for the deflection <laughs> on the header? Oh, hell no. Secondary <laughs> assist, James. Then there was the third VAR incident literally about 90 seconds after uh, the Champness goal. And I, I honestly kind of missed it. Uh, Arena was sent off. Uh, after a VAR upgrade because he decided to try and go for O'Shea's kneecap instead of the ball. It was it was really one of those fairly straightforward upgrades. And again, the correct application of uh, the rules there to say, hey, maybe kind of we're a little bit lenient here. If you can't beat him, kick him. That would seem to be the motto that Arena was taking there. And I can, I can forgive Alex King for missing that, James, because he was on the other side of that. He would have, wouldn't have seen it, but... It was really clear on the replay, wasn't it? He didn't even need to look at it more than once. I mean, it was a very well-deserved red card, and he'll enjoy his couple of weeks off. Yeah, um, yeah, that that one angle uh, that that uh, Alex King ended up seeing uh, on the VAR screen—that was all he needed. In fact, he he was away before. I think he must have got called back by uh, whoever was in the, who was ever in uh, the VAR in Sydney and saying, "Oh, you might just have one more look," because he took one look. Pulled away. I think he must have been told, I'll oh, go back and just have a look a second time. But yeah, that was, that was pretty clear. And that was, you know, if you want to call it, quote, a howler, that was probably one because that one shouldn't be missed. That's how it should be used too, by the way, James. Yeah. A quick look like that to correct an obvious mistake and away you go. Mm. No five different replays of the same, no five different looks at the same replay, I should say. Well, you know what they say, you know, about clear and obvious in the 10 drunks at a bar test. Maybe we just, you know, set up a little beer fridge underneath for the VAR so that if it's still clear and obvious after a couple of drinks, maybe then the challenge has to be, uh, the call has to be overturned. Then the Mariners obviously did try and push forward, still feeling like they had a chance of stealing the game, did their best. But as you would expect, team a man down, pushing forward, they were punished on the break by the Raw and, uh, Late goals from Parsons and Kudo made the score a little bit more favourable for the Raw. And I've got to be honest, like when Parsons got the ball and he was sort of dribbling away from goal, first thing I said was, oh, he's going to cut back on his left and score here, something that we've seen him do in person in the NPL quite often. And lo and behold, the kid delivered. He did. And um, like I said, there's no happier person 
well, there might be a few. I, I think there's but... probably a few, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but uh, as someone who has, has uh, watched Alex Parsons for the last two, two and a bit years, since he's come to the Raw and in the, in the uh, you know, through the academy and all that, this is, this is what youth development is all about, you know, and to see him get his first goal, you know, that was a great moment. And seeing the bench mob him after that, I think it meant a lot to the team. And it's just it's just a great moment because you know, we've seen him, you know, rise and rise and rise and having, you know, a really, really, you know, big season so far in MPL. Um, and, yeah, this is this is the um, the pinnacle. Stop. Well, I think it might be more in, in store, but like I say it's good that he finally got on the score sheet, you know, in a senior A-League game. Former Central Coast Mariners Youth League player as well. James, so you can insert that. You can insert that Graham Arnold. You didn't want him gift here as well. It fits perfectly. But ever since he's come back to the Raw at the beginning of the 2020 MPL season, he's just been on a really rapid trajectory. His form in the MPL last year was superb, and he's taken it to a whole other level this year. As you mentioned, he scored a couple of great goals in the MPL this year already. Still the golden boot in that competition. And you're right when he cut in on that on his left foot there, you knew he was going to shoot. It was just a matter of if that defender in the way was going to get a block on it or not. And once he didn't, you knew it was going in. But again, that's, I mentioned that the goal for champs had been coming. So is that for Parsons because it's just a continuation of what he did off the bench against the Wanderers. And the way he was mobbed, and also Masato Kudo was mobbed for his goal in stoppage time. They're great moments that you can really build on as a team. And that goal will do the world of good for Masato. He hasn't had a lot of game time, but that's a, that's a real striker's finish there on the near post, and if he, if he's now going to get more game time in this in this like hectic run of games that Aurora have got, that will do him the world of good as well. So there's a lot of positives to take from that from this game. Yeah, absolutely, and there's not really much more I can add about the uh, Masato Kudo goal, but it was good to see you know that ball find him in the box because he's had a few chances here and there. I remember the home game against Sydney FC had the header crash off the bar for, uh, and that's just one that pops out at a quarter to 10 after the, <laughs> after the game. So, uh, but yeah, he's had his chances and it was good just seeing him finally get the chance to bury one. And as you said, like, there's no telling what that will do for his confidence, but you always say a striker just needs a good striker just needs one to get the ball rolling. And that is exactly uh, what both he and Parsons got. And what we're going to now is hear from Alex Parsons. Uh, Scott, this is after the match. Uh, yeah, this is this is him talking to Bozer after the game on Fox. Dula obviously fed me the ball, and yeah, I can't really remember much of it. It was a little bit of an adrenaline rush, <laughs> but that's what it is. Yeah, just happy to get a goal and happy for the three points. What about your junior football, Alex? Where did uh, for kids watching and how you get such a sweet left foot as that? Great dribbling technique and a beautiful goal as well. So where did your football start? Uh, Western Western Spirit um, out near Ipswich, Springfield Way. So yeah, my parents worked in the in the club for a long time. So I spent a lot of nights just kicking the ball against the wall, mm-hmm. and yeah, that's where it started for me. All right, and thanks to Fox for that audio. And yeah, overall Parsons, I kind of yeah can't really fault um, too much on that one either. And yeah, well, frankly, it's three points. Scott, why don't you go to your uh, three, two, ones? Okay, so three. I mentioned earlier, Joe Shea for me was the player of the match. Three, two, one. The two assisted, as I mentioned. The second one was a laser. I mean, and that's what he can really do. We're starting to see more and more of that from him now. Now that he's playing in that deep role with quick attackers ahead of him, it's really suiting what he can bring. Two points for for Kai Truen. I thought he was a rock at the back, and 
as a young player stepping into that cent- like the centre of the back three, the heart of the defence, I thought he was superb. And unfortunately for Joey Chemps, I've just bumped him out of the one vote. Oh. I've given it to Alex Parsons. It's just, it's I've got to give it to him. It was a great great finish and first of many, hopefully, James. So I'm calling bias on that. <laughs> Football is, is a subjective game. Yes, except Chance for the score. was fantastic. I've got to say he was fantastic. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Football is a subjective game. The scoreboard is not. Yeah. And the scoreboard read Brisbane Rule 4, Central Coast nil. So It also reads Alex Parsons 1, Joey Champness 1. <laughs> there we go. All right. Um, yeah. And the only final point I want to make on this game as well, 19 straight unbeaten against Central Coast. In the A-League, that is a record for the competition. We'll just forget that FFA Cup game up at Dolphin Stadium a couple of years ago. But uh, draw anyway. Made-up cup. <laughs> Don't let, hey, I like the FFA Cup. Let's, so let's, let's not, let's not criticise it too much, all right? But, um, yeah, all right, so we'll move on to what has been overall a fairly tumultuous uh, week off the pitch for the Raw. Obviously, it started with the Anzac Day game against Perth Glory getting postponed, and... Well, there's not much you can really do about that when uh, you got WA dealing with the, thankfully, very minor outbreak uh, that they had. And obviously, better safe than sorry at the moment, despite the uh, protestations of a small portion of the fan base. So I'm not sure their opinions are really worth listening to. But overall, yeah, it, it does set up a fairly challenging run home, Scott, where the, the raw... They've got a massive task ahead of them where it's going to be pretty much non-stop games from here through till the middle of June, we hope. It will. It will, James. You're right. There's a lot have got more games than everybody else. And it's, it's incredibly unfortunate, this one, because every time there's one of these COVID outbreaks, it seems to be the raw games that gets that gets moved on the back end of it, which is why they've got so many in hand. There's nothing you can do about it. It's just a unfortunate hand that they've been dealt, but... It's gonna it's gonna leave a really really hectic run of games. Well, they got ten games left after tonight. If yep. to potentially be played in a Five little weeks, over thirty take. days, so it's gonna be a really really hectic run in. So the squad's gonna be really invited. There's no way you're gonna be able to get through that run of games without missing some players. So it's gonna be tough, but there's nothing you can do about it at the moment. It's just the way it is. It's unfortunate. The, that's gonna be hard to fit that Perth game in too, because there's not many midweeks available left for the Raw. I saw and they've got the Sydney game squeezed in somewhere as well, which hasn't been scheduled. So I'm not sure how they're going to fit them all in, but that's not our problem. Yes. Uh, and also why I have massive sympathy for anyone who has tried to schedule a, a sports league in the last 12 to 18 months as well, because that has just been a horrible, horrible task. Um, obviously not as hard as some of the other jobs, but you get my point, hasn't yeah, it's been a fairly tough assignment. Um, one way that they have tried to address uh, the upcoming run of fixtures, at least short term, is the addition of Sydney FC defender Patrick Flotman on not a loan deal, but also uh, not a long-term signing either. It's an injury replacement contract for Tom Aldred. And it sounds like basically he's going to – he's been released from his Sydney FC deal. He's come up to the Raw for two weeks – when that deal ends, he is going to go back and re-sign with Sydney FC. This is giving me a headache, Adam. What about you? I don't. I, this one, I don't. I don't agree with. I don't like this this signing. Um, not no disrespect to Patrick Flopman. He looks like he, he is he is a decent player, but I, I just don't understand why. 
what is the what is the purpose of getting someone in? What 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 happened to all these these young prospects that we have in the in the academy? That you know, you know, a, a player like a Hassan Ramazani, who's probably who's probably the next, you know, the next in line. Now, even you know, a Jackson Hart Phillips, who's been you know very serviceable in MPL. You know, you can even go as far as you know maybe a Reese Gray or where where is Isaac Powell? You know, like I said, I I don't know. I just don't understand why they've they've gone and signed a player from a rival club for two weeks. I understand that five games in fifteen days is going to be a big stretch, but this is why you have an academy. Like I, I just I just don't I just don't understand it. And this is this for me it flies in the face of everything that what Warren Moon stands for. So I've got a question whether this is even whether even this this was his call. This hasn't been, been foisted on him because you know. It just it's not like that the the that the academy is is bare. Like I said you've got you've got a very very well performing you know side in MPL at the moment who are running second or third, and you go, they go and sign some player so he can get minutes so he can potentially be a rival at a rival club during the final series. Like I'm sorry, I just don't get it. I. I've got a conspiracy theory about this as well, where it's basically a two-week audition for a contract next season uh, with the Raw, because this is based on your understanding of the contract, Scott. I'll give you credit for your vast, vast, vast research, or at least guesstimation of uh, how long every player's deal is in the competition, in that I wonder if he's a player that they've kind of circled for next season because there may be some defensive departures going forward. And I wonder if this is basically just a, well, look, um, I, I just wondered if it was maybe a, let's see if we can, you know, see if he's going to be a worthwhile fit. That being said, if he's going to just get used the way that he was he was tonight, you're, you're right in that I don't really see what um, he did that Hashan Ravazani can't do. But if they do need someone with just that little bit more experience or something, I get they need to, they probably need to add another body, but he's played three more A League games than Hassan Ramazani. Yeah. How could that be more experienced? It's, like, well, that's what I mean. It makes no sense. It's more experienced well, by three four, games. Sorry, four yeah. tonight. It's three more games, and also it is probably I'm guessing he's been training with Sydney's first team this whole time, whereas Ramazani, I'm guessing, is still going back and forth. Probably goes back and forth, but well, I will say firstly, I'm pretty sure that's accurate with Sydney because. They're one of the better clubs actually saying how long a player's signed for. Some clubs aren't the mm-hmm. best at that. Sydney are really good with that. But this, you know what this reminds me of? This is like back to like season two, season three days when a goalkeeper like Liam Reid would do something stupid and get himself suspended and teams would only have two goalkeepers on their books. So all of a sudden, Griffin McMaster's got to play and you've got to bring in a goalkeeper from the second division somewhere on short notice to sit on the bench. Hand over Lapi. Hand over Lapi did yeah. play and I think Vedran Janjanovic came up and sat on the bench a couple of times and Things like that. That's what this reminds me of. It's, it's goes back to the days of before a youth team. Look, if he's if your theory is right and they are potentially looking at signing him, James, okay. But yeah, but this year, if he gets game time ahead of Jordan Courtney Perkins in particular, that would actually frustrate me because he should be in line to play. He's played more games in the A League, I think, than Pascal pa- Patrick Flotman has anyway. So, I think he would be should be at least ahead of him in the pecking order, and I would hope that he is. But it's, it sounds like it's a short-term thing anyway, and he's just going to provide a body in the next couple of weeks. But that would be my concern is he would get, if he gets playing time ahead of Courtney Perkins. I think the good news is 
again, based on the very, 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 very limited sample size this evening, they're seen as two separate players because Courtney Perkins is primarily a left-sided player and Flotman, he could very well turn out to be backup for Scott Neville and Jack Hingett. That That's kind of the way I'm reading it as well and just shoring up that side. But look, it is trying to, you know, make chicken salad out of, you know, what, but yeah, it, it's a strange thing. Anyway, one of the other um, stories that we did touch on last week and we kind of speculated, turns out that it was true. Scott McDonald's ankle injury that was being touted about last week by certain um, PR arms has turned out to have miraculously healed and he's been able to pass a physical with the Western Sydney Wanderers after his release from the Raw. Adam, what the hell has happened in the last few days with him? Would he just want to be closer to the uh, of the sports studios? Yeah, look, um, yeah, I again, it, you're right. Tumultuous weeks, the way this has gone down, it's just uh, it, it boggles the mind about how I think uh, how or why. But you know, part of me says, you know what, best of luck, Scott McDonald at Western Sydney Wanderers. If that if that's what he agitated for and that's what he wanted. Um, obviously then, yeah, you know, he's got, because, and look, it doesn't look like it's going to affect the raw based on evidence tonight. And, and in fact, I think that he's going to have his own set of problems trying to win over the, uh, fans at the Wanderers based on what I've seen on Twitter and, and whatnot so far in very, very, it's a, it's the same situation. So look, it may be something, it may be something as simple as, oh, he does he doesn't, doesn't like the flight down to, um, down to Sydney for the to, to uh, be on the uh, Optus uh, Premier League show. So I, maybe I, I don't like flying either. I get that, but I've, I've, I've cracked yeah. this. You know what this is? Mm. This is this is Marco Bresciano from 2005 against Uruguay all over again. He's just gone to the same the same quick fix um, doctors down in, in Sydney because he was in doubt to play in the second league against Uruguay 2005. He they fixed him up quickly and he was ready to go. So Scott McDonald's just gone and seen and the same guy. He's, so he's gone. He's just gone and seen the same guy. That's what it is. Look, it it makes little difference for the Raw, doesn't it? Really. I mean, you think we just spoke about how good the attack's going at the moment. The three starters plus Parsons and Kudo off the bench. Mabratu wasn't involved in the match day squad tonight, but he's still there. Cyrus Demi's been scoring for fun in the MPL. He's still there. Keegan Yelichich is still in around the mix as well. They're not going to miss Scott yeah. McDonald. Let's be truthful, James. I know he had a decent run in. He had a pretty good run last year, and he started the year okay, but They've got enough numbers there to cover, and I don't know what the Wanderers want him for. They've got even more forwards than the Raw yeah. do, so I'm not sure what he's going to solve for them. But it's just, it's just it is what it is, and he's moved on. And yeah. I don't think it's going to matter really. I think if he had to, went to Melbourne City, it might have mattered. But I don't, I mean, Western Sydney aren't going to make the six anyway. So okay, he'll get his chance to play against the Raw in Parramatta, and it's the last game of the season. But who cares? Well, not if the Raw decide to try and enforce that same sort of deal that uh, Western United put on him last year. That would be fantastic, but... Yeah, but the, but the other point on that I want to make as well is, like, this is, what, his third A-League club in the space of... Two seasons, what? basically. Well, yeah, or one and two-thirds seasons. There's a chance it might be you. I'm just throwing it out there. And obviously, I, I do joke about that as well, but... I do, I do wonder, was he, could it have been, you know, with the Raw obviously trying to bring their youth movement through with the likes of Parsons, with the likes of Demi, did he perhaps feel like he was getting asked to be more of a coach when he felt like he could still contribute on the pitch? 
And was he maybe just not connecting with that young, like the young attackers, the way that uh, some might have speculated, or some someone maybe five years younger uh, would have? I don't know. That's just me. He's already thrown some some shade around too, James. Some just statements today. Coming into the Wanderers, being with a proven manager, I know what I'm coming into and the expectations. Is that not a mm. shot being fired at his former employer? Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, I'm not without wanting to be Warren Moon's PR firm here. I'm pretty sure. He's got a pretty good proven record of winning everywhere he's been. I'll leave it at that. And, all, and also, and also as well that you know, apparently there's been, if you according to Marco Monteverdi, there's is non-disclosure agreements and whatnot about why this is why there's a split and all that, which is just absolutely absurd as far as I'm concerned. You know what? Let the truth come out. You know, if if Scott McDonald has a problem, had a problem with Warren Moon, we'll come out and say it. Because it, it obviously, did. it obviously to me, obviously to me, it, we we noticed it in the call in the in the show on the um in the game tonight. Warren was, seemed to be a lot more agitated, a lot more fired up than usual. I just wonder if that was you know if that if those criticisms stung him personally because he seemed a lot more animated, which also would make this win a lot more a lot more sweeter for Warren Moon. But you know, this this whole thing, you know, it's just it's just a real mess. And look, to be honest, I'm glad it's over and done with. McDonald can finish off his career the way he wants and the Royal move on. I think he would have much preferred to finish it with a trophy, which I think he would have been far more likely to win in Brisbane than Western Sydney. Anyway, yeah, look, I, I try not to be too much of a one-eyed nutter Raw fan, but when someone leaves the way McDonald did, I'm more than happy to, you know, kick sand on them or whatever. But, oh, God, it just... Yeah, it's it's a miracle that ankle injury uh, healed up. I, I honestly thought it was going to be fatal at one point. Those Sydney doctors are miracle workers, James. <laughs> yeah, you can find them in King's Cross. Uh, anyway, uh, there was one other story from uh, Marco Monteverde that came out, I believe it was last night or, yeah, last night, uh, saying that Macaulay Gillespie uh, might not be at the Raw for too much longer. Scott, yep. you want to lead off with this one? Yeah, I'll keep this really brief. There's only one line story that really matters, James. It's just at least two rival clubs offered, offered have tabled better offers for Gillespie services as have teams in England, Scotland, and Germany. And the key word is there, better offers. It doesn't mean the Raw haven't made an offer. They clearly have by the sound of that. It's an it's agent negotiating in the media. That's all it is. He's got offers from a couple of A-League clubs, a couple from Europe, and including the Raw. And he clearly, the offer from the Raw in their eyes isn't good enough. That's what they're saying. He's negotiating in the media, and this happens every single day, everywhere you go. And He's look, negotiating in the media. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I will just say as well, you know, I've obviously defended Marco quite a lot. I know how hard he tries to work to give football just any coverage in the Courier-Mail at the moment, which is a massive uphill battle uh, uh, seven days Especially a week, pretty the much. Broncos suck so much. Yeah, that too. Terrible um, shame, that. <laughs> but yeah, I... I think the key to remember about Marco is he is very well connected and, you know, he, he's got more sources than just the club. So you might not like the story, but yeah, this, this to me does scream a case of, Hey, I'm not, I don't, I don't want to go if you're willing to pay me what I think I'm worth. However, and we will keep this fairly quick as well. I think we all said at the start of the season, Gillespie's too good and too young to uh, be a long-term A-league player. And, if he does want to go back to the UK, I'm fine with that. Like, 
but if I'm the raw and I'm, I'm at least making sure that this is the most palatable option for him to stay in the A-League. If he goes and signs with, you know, one of the clubs down south or out west or something, then I'm going to have a big issue with it because I do feel like he is a really, really valuable piece that you don't want to lose. But again, that's just me. Yeah, no, look, I tend to agree on that. So I think at a minimum, the Raw need to offer him something that, you now if he's going to go, at least go overseas. Because, you know, yeah, there's all, there was always a question, you know, trying to keep together, you know, all of Macaulay Gillespie, Tom Aldred and Jay O'Shea um, of those. And obviously two or three have re-signed. So the, the chances of keeping, you know, being in a salary cap league, um, keeping those three here together, you know, on the same pay, and obviously all three have done well, so they all deserve pay rises. It may be a bit a step too far, but the disappointing thing will be if Macaulay Gillespie then ends up going to a rival club. That would be unacceptable. Yeah, I don't think he will, James. If you think about the global market at this time, I mean, how much money have football clubs lost by not having fans in the stadiums, particularly some of those football league league clubs who's biggest source of revenue is fans in the stands. I'll look at a player like Macaulay Gillespie, 25-year-old defender, can play probably play left centre-back, left-back, and maybe left wing-back if you really wanted him to. As a as a free agent player, there's going to be offers there. There's going to yeah. be a lot of offers there on the table yeah. for him, and so I'm not surprised that they're all having a battle to keep him. And yeah, I don't think he's going to go interstate. I think if he does go, it'll be overseas. But tonight also shows you, James... With the, talent, the young talent the Roar have got in that defensive shape and unit, they've shown they can cover the loss of one player. As good a player as Macaulay Gillespie is, and he's been the real mainstay of that back line, they have shown they can cover for a loss. So if he does leave, I'm confident they can cover it, although it would be a big loss. Yeah, if Gillespie does leave, it falls to, you know, one person, three names, Jordan Courtney Perkins. Yeah. All right, um... There is NPL. There was NPL and FFA Cup action over the weekend. You can listen to a full recap of that on the Brisbane Football Review NPL Sunday Show featuring Scott and Adam. Yeah. And look, I just want to quickly uh, mention the game I did on Friday night: Capalaba and Morton Bay United. That was an awesome game. Larissa Crummer with the 90th minute winner. No, nah, it wasn't that awesome. <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, no. Here serious, comes take, the bias. A, yeah, take, taking the mayoral cap off and actually putting my objective cap on. Um, yeah, Larissa Crummer, yeah, that's a great sign. In fact, seeing, you know, six, I think was the last count, uh, Raw League, Raw W League players now playing in MPL. I think it's only going to be a good thing for the league. So, you know, more power to it. But yeah, wasn't a great, wasn't a great night for, for uh, the Jets on Friday night. You sounded like you were enjoying it on the effects, Michael. That's all I'll say. You mentioned one player and three three words, uh, James. Kira Richards-Bassett, remember the name. Young player from Gold Coast United tore it up on Sunday against the Gap. Unbelievable. Go and check out the highlights. Unbelievable young player. And if she can continue her form like that, representative honours are not going to be far away. How the hell she can make the team of the week, I'll never know. And also, I will point out that... uh, you know, Gold Coast United on their shirts this year, on their uh, NPL shirts this year, they've got Gold Coast United the bid, which I'm assuming is referencing their A League um, ambitions. But uh, tell you what, some of those uh, NPL women's players wouldn't look out of place in a W League squad as well. And to be honest, I think if you put them out there, they probably could have uh, found their way into a fairly decent finish 
on the W League table this season. Obviously, the Premier's last year, and with that unbelievable depth that they've got, it's going to be tough to uh, take that Premiership away from uh, Talabudra. Okay, this Saturday, Brisbane Raw, Wellington Phoenix, Saturday afternoon at Redcliffe. The Raw are back at home, we hope. But, um, yeah, it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be a fantastic evening out at Redcliffe as well. Obviously, they have the Raw Legends against NPL Legends match uh, preceding the match on Saturday as well. So, full afternoon of action at Dolphin Stadium. I will having to be. I will have to tune in uh, on TV, however, because I'll be commentating on Southwest Queensland and Western Pride. I should know that by Saturday. Which two teams I'm commentating on, Adam? Yeah, well, I was going to say I would help if you do. Uh, no, but uh, yeah, look, uh, it's it's a big big weekend. The um, in MPL circles, the uh, grand final rematch down at Lions. Where unfortunately, it's not uh, a rematch. Oh, you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Scott and I both will be at that uh, Morton Daly Stadium for the Raw game. So unfortunately, we're going to miss that. But uh, yeah, no, it's going to be uh, a big weekend um, and a big couple of weekends coming up with um, MPL in two weeks' time is the uh, Gold Coast Derby, which that's going to be a cracker. Back to this weekend, though. It's Old Boys Day, James, as you mentioned. It's, it's actually It was actually really cool when I did it a couple of years ago, and I kind of missed it last year, and it was... It'll be a lot of fun. I mean, it won't be much of a competitive game. It'll be great to see some of the legends of the past back on show. I think they've got Matt Smith, Daniel Bowles, Jade North, Rolls-Royce Brownlee's back. So I think there's a oh, few Bowles others announced pillow. as well. So he's, in he's in perfect form, isn't he? But yeah. there's, there's a, it'll be great to see some of those some legends of the past involved. I'm sure at some point they'll, have, they'll announce a couple of other legends who um, might have retired a couple of years ago. But look, I mean, it'll be great to see them. And then it brings into a what will be a great A-League game, actually, because the Roar are in great form but so are wellington this is almost yeah. a, the, one of the two of the most informed teams of the competition despite where they sit on the table and i'm really looking forward to this game all of a sudden the way the raw are playing they're going to be a, a joy to watch and the chance to see all of see the villa in person is going to be great as well so this is this is going to be great the, the villa and the wayne train I'm not worried yeah. about the Wayne train. I'm worried about the Villa. No, oh, no, well, the Villa's going to set up the Wayne train. You watch now. Wayne train's going to score the winner. Have to have to clip <laughs> that up for next week. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a, an excellent game as well. Obviously, Ufuk Tale's put together an unbelievably resilient side, and hopefully, they'll uh, be able to play a couple of games at home as the season draws to a conclusion. I wonder what's the chances as well as that the Villa's uh, Mexican cheer squad might might find their way up to Redcliffe. Not. Yeah, the actual real Mexicans, not the ones that oh, that dress in blue most of the time. Yeah, it's got. Yeah, that's going to be uh, one of the things that we might wind up missing from uh, the Wellington Phoenix of Wollongong next season. But for the time being, we'll just have to enjoy it while we can. All right, Scott, Adam, I'm starting to uh, really run out of steam here. So, why do you say we get into wrapping this up, Scott? What are yep. we going to be talking about this time next week? Roar into the top six, Adam. Uh, Raw derails Wayne Train to win fourth straight game. <laughs> All right, I'm going to say I'm going to say that the Raw and Wellington play out a six-goal thriller at Dolphin Stadium. I just have no clue what the final score is going to be. Five-one. Can... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's not bring up five-one score lines. That's still giving me bad memories to uh, Boxing Day 20. Oh yeah. 
What did yeah. you bring that up for? Let's remember the three. Let's remember the three-three comeback from the first season of doing this podcast. All right, that's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thank you, Scott. Good talk to you again, boys. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, gentlemen. Uh, get out and enjoy the football this weekend. Obviously, it's another long weekend of action, but all sorts of A-League and NPL action for your edification all over southeast Queensland. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, and we'll be back to recap it all on the next edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you then.